You're listening to Pastor Standing Firm. I am Pastor Brian Bauer, and today I am talking with a amazing pastor, friend, mentor, and, and probably the smartest pastor I know intellectually, Pastor Jim Nichols. And we are going to be talking about what it means to be faithful and not just successful in ministry. Let's dive right in. Pastor Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Would you tell us just a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you pastored, your family, all that good stuff? Sure thing. Uh, well, I'm married to Jill for 53 years now, three kids, and they're all married. We have uh, six grandkids. Uh, they're the joy of our lives. Um, I began to pastor when I was 21 years old, straight out of our, my undergraduate in Pennsylvania, Valley Forge Christian College. And, uh, and I've pastored three churches over the course of my 49 years of pastoral ministry, uh, eight and a half years in Pennsylvania, one church, and then served on a staff for 20 years at a church in um, Mount Prospect. My area of work was discipleship and small groups and teaching and sort of the, the adult education areas. And then um, I pastored uh, as lead pastor a church in Lamont, Calvary Church, for 19 years and then just retired uh, about two and a half years ago. And now I'm um, oh, uh, mentoring pastors, doing a little bit of coaching and serving as an interim pastor in a couple of different settings. I currently am, in fact, in, in a church. And so, um, yeah, so that's just a, a quick summary, I guess, Brian, of my, uh, my story. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about, because I feel like you really exemplify this in your life. What we've seen over the last few years, especially over the last 10 plus is cool church, right? And we've talked a lot about that on this show. But what we've done in that process is we've we've almost elevated the idea of success over faithfulness, right? If a guy's somewhere for five years and he gets to thousands of people, he's yeah. considered better, greater, smarter mm -hmm. um, than the guy who's been at the same church of 200 for 30 years, Mm -hmm. And yet I, I'm not so sure we find that as a biblical model. I, I think we almost find the other maybe a little more honored yeah. by scripture. And mm -hmm. I think what I really want to break down to just that concept that Eugene Peterson said so well, summed up so well, a long obedience in the same direction, yeah. which mm -hmm. you really have exemplified. Can you speak to that? Sure. You know, I've, uh, I really enjoyed Eugene Peterson's book called The Pastor, where he sort of tells his story as a pastor. And uh, one of the comments he made in that book that really impacted me was that he, um, he wanted to be part of a congregation and grow with that congregation sort of generationally. He wanted to know the children when they were babies. He wanted to know when they were teenagers. He wanted to see them when they were adults and he was performing their weddings. And so he was, he was just a pastor that wanted to be highly relational and uh, his life woven into the lives of the people 
that he was pastoring. And so he wanted to be more than a, uh, a talking head to a large crowd on a Sunday morning. He wanted, he wanted relational connection. And I believe his, his whole philosophy, and I think Jesus' philosophy of discipleship was highly relational. It was rooted in relationships. Uh, and, uh, and so I think, Brian, that, you know, and early on uh, in my pastoral life, uh, that same philosophy just began to take root inside of me. Uh, in fact, uh, I was thinking about this. Um, I had, when I was 14, I was not very interested in church. Mm. I, I went to church. My parents had made me go. And they, we had one pastor who came. Uh, he was only there for a couple of years in his situation, but he was so relational in the way he portrayed Christ. And, uh, and he showed Christ's character. He took interest. I mean, I would go into church and he would always uh, acknowledge me. Uh, I felt valued by him. Mm. And, uh, and I think he planted the seed in my life that, you know, of what a pastor, uh, of what an effective pastor is. And I grew up in a church of 50 people, you know, and, uh, but he, you know, in those short two years he was there, just his character and his, uh, his way of acknowledging people, taking notice of them had huge impact upon my life. And uh, so, uh, and then there's been many people over the years who have fed into that you know, and I guess I don't want to over, I don't want to talk too much, but I'll throw one more thing in. I believe that, uh, you know, I've always felt that my, my theology of pastoral ministry is relational. Uh, I guess I would call it a relational theology. And I believe that is above all who God is. You know, we worship a triune God, Father, Son, Spirit. They've dwelt together in intimate relationship for mm. all of eternity uh, and all that goes with that communication, valuing one another. Uh, you know, I mean, everything that I believe the church is to be is grounded in re relationship. And the church is really on the earth to represent uh, what happens within the members of the Trinity, you know, living, living that out with each other and then demonstrating it to the world. I think that is the greatest attractive power that the church on the earth can possibly have. And that was the attractive power that really turned my life back toward Christ uh, when I was 14, you know, through that, through that pastor. He was a great teacher, but alongside of that, he was highly personal, and, uh, and I knew that he cared about me. Wow. That's so good. Yeah, I mean, Jesus said, right, and that's what was so different is, is he said, and I call you friends. Yeah, that's right. It changed yeah. the, you know, really did change the game, quote unquote, yeah. of ministry. And yet now I feel like we've gone almost full circle the other way. We've created this new, you know, and I think poor idea of, big crowds, fast success, you know, mm -hmm. be sexy, you know, really that is, that yeah. is, I just, I just came back from a conference that was awesome and I loved and, and was great. But I even 
even there, it, it's still there. You know, one 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 pastor who, who, who I'm sure he's great. I'm sure he's done doing great things. Yeah. I'm not picking on him or his ministry, and I won't say his name, but said, well, you know, if people aren't coming to your certain ministry or this small group or this, it's because you're not selling them on it. You got to sell them on it. And, and I, I just feel like yeah. that there's no relationship in that ministry. There's yeah. in that mentality. That's not faithfulness. That's success, you know, worldly mm-hmm. success. You know, this mm-hmm. is, that sounds more about numbers than it does uh, about transformation. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, I think, pen, you know, pendulums always swing too far mm-hmm. uh, when we're trying to address an imbalance. Uh, now, I, you know, I grew up, uh, I started my ministry in the 70s. And, you know, up till the 70s, churches were, had become very ingrown. They were from the, the culture, the community. And so beginning in the 70s, you know, was the church growth movement. And, and the church growth movement, I think, brought some wonderful things to the church. It reawakened us to, we have to relate to our culture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so with that came a lot of um, learning leadership principles, uh, studying the culture, uh, and uh, learning, well, what kind of, you know, what, what is the music of the culture? How do we relate to the culture? I mean, all of these things, and, you know, and the term relevant is a great word. It's a really important word. But, you know, relevance, like everything else, can swing over into uh, what you described. You used the term earlier, being cool, being, uh, you know, being slick. <laughs> In other words, where we where we become more about trying to be cool and relevant than we than we then we're wanting to use, we need to use relevance only as an avenue for the genuineness and the authenticity that is in Christ and is supposed to be in the church. And so I, what I'm trying to say is that I, I've attended many seminars over the years where I was learning uh, principles from Harvard Business School, you know, uh, good to great, uh, you know, and oh, a million other books that are, you know, they are, they are very valuable books. Uh, however, I think what's happened is the church has become more about uh, leadership principles and marketing and uh, trying to sell the church uh, and has sort of forgotten that the, even more primary than that is, you know, the, is the development of discipleship and the character of Christ. Because if we're, if we're cool, but we don't have any substance, you know, mm. uh, if we're relevant, but there's no depth, you know, there's no reality of who Jesus is, then we might build a crowd for a while, but it's going to be a very shallow, shaky, shaky crowd that could be disrupted very quickly. And, and so there's no root, there's no depth in it. And so we've got to have, we've got to strike the balance between maintaining the depth of discipleship while seeking to in, in the proper kinds of ways, uh, build bridges with our culture and our community. Uh, but we can't forsake, uh, you know, becoming, uh, you know, becoming mature disciples of Christ in the process. 
Yeah. Uh, and so I don't know if that if that made any sense or not, Brian, but uh, I just think that we, we get out of balance. You know, and, and how do we redeem it from that imbalance? How do we tell pastors, you know, in very plain terms and get them on board with, you know, maybe don't, maybe this week don't count the heads. Maybe this week give a break to the LEDs, you know, the, um, we're a portable church. So we very much have to yeah. often say, you know, we're just not going to have that or we're not going to be able to do that. And we try and bring excellence. We're all fans of excellence. We all want yeah, that. Right. Um, we want to be relevant within, within a framework right. that's not in the extremes. How do we communicate to these leaders and especially these next generation leaders, the next level of church planners, the new youth pastors, hey, it's far more about the transformation of lives and you being faithful to the call than it is about this thing exploding and, quote, being awesome. How do we communicate that? Yeah, I would say one of the one of the things, Brian, is to start the conversations to pull young pastors into this conversation. Uh, and uh, there really are some great uh, tools and some great things being written right now that are addressing this very issue. Uh, and so I, you know, I'm uh, currently uh, discussing a book with a fellow pastor uh, from Chicago. Uh, you know, that it's, it's addressing that very thing. Uh, it's called, it's, I don't, it's called Leadership, God's Agency, and disruption. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a book that deals with, um, you know, uh, the, the, the t it teaches that God always begins his work in the local setting. And uh, he's not got, and what, what's going to work in California, uh, we can't just transplant those models into you know, our place here in the Chicago area, or even our own locality. We've got to, first of all, hear what God wants to do in the local setting, study the culture of our own village, mm -hmm. uh, and and then begin to, and I know this is, uh, you know, sometimes we, we took prayer and sort of used it as a cliche, you know, or, mm -hmm. you know, okay, let's pray, let's have an opening prayer, and then let's get down to talking about leadership and winning the community. Okay, well, uh, I think praying together, asking the Spirit to give discernment on how to, how to bring the gospel to this community, how to exegete this community, how to understand it. And then, and then I think it's a matter of, of teams discussing how can we make sure that above everything else we're doing, we are, we are building a relational a relational community here, a relational church. And somewhere in there, I believe they're going to have to be a big emphasis upon small groups. Uh, now, small groups can be healthy and they can also be very unhealthy and they can become ingrown very easily. Uh, and so I, um, you know, I think um, that if a small group can be a microcosm of what uh, church is, and I, I think there's three things that have to happen in a small group. And I don't know if I'm getting off track here, but no, no. Okay, I'm. Uh, I would say that a small group comes together, and 
obviously they, they get into a very applicational discussion of the scripture. Okay. Another, another aspect of that small group time certainly is going to be ministering to each other, sharing one another's needs, encouraging each other. But then there, and a lot of small groups do those two things. But then the third thing is really where the mission comes to its, its final point. And that is, uh, there's got to be a third part in a gathering of Christians that is focused on how are we impacting our world outside of this group. And so that can be, that can be approached by, hey, let's, let's take time in our group meeting tonight to talk about um, you know, how, what opportunities do, have you had in the last few days or a week or two to talk to someone about your faith or even to just reach out and help somebody? Uh, what, you know, in other words, bringing, uh, always when, when believers come together, the word and then the, the, the believer to believer relationship, and then, okay, something that turns the attention to outside of ourselves into our community, mm-hmm. into our world. And then, you know, then those groups can put that into real practice by an occasional, uh, you know, jumping into something in the community together and be, and that's it, you know, and beginning to actually practice it, build those relationships as a group. And so it's, I think things like that being brought into it so often right now with our marketing strategies, you know, we're, we're just building these massive thousands of people sitting in a big room. Uh, and many of them can live anonymously as Christians for years in that mm-hmm. setting. Uh, but if we, if, if a church can really bring people into relational settings where the mission of the church, ultimately t- taking us outside the church with love into our community, if that, can, if that can be built into the culture of the church, then I think we have the culture of the Trinity actually taking place because the Father, Son, the Spirit, they're certainly the God of truth. Mm. certainly the God of relationship, you know, one with another, but he's also the missionary God who, you know, sacrificed and laid down his life mm. to reach out. And I think every church, uh, you know, we, we are in truth, we're yeah. in relationship, but it's got to all pour out into mission. Yeah. And, uh, and I know that's, uh, and I think that, uh, that, you know, teaching that with our congregations and then finding the way to uh, creatively implement that within the structure of the church yeah. is really important. That's that's really rich. Can we, I want to go back to where you started in that, talking about local churches touching and mm-hmm. and becoming relational in that community and meeting the needs of that community. For example, I'm I'm in a southwest suburb. My needs mm-hmm. in this community for who we are are very different than a suburb in the north like Skokie that's filled with a lot of doctors or mm-hmm. a, or if I'm in the inner city of Chicago where a lot of people are are fighting poverty, you know, and it's very either you're high class or low class and there's no middle class. I'm yeah. in a very different type of suburb and it's a suburb that converges a lot of those low, high and medium income. And mm-hmm. and I have to minister to all those needs. 
What does that say about the idea? And I'll, I'll let you poke the bear. I'll try not to too much. Okay. What does that right. say about the idea of something that's been a fad now for about 10, 15 years, or maybe it's not a fad. Maybe it's a God movement. Uh-huh. I don't know of the idea of campuses. We're going to open a campus here and a campus there and a campus. Okay. And of, obviously there's large, vast different ideas, right? There yeah. are, there are yeah. campuses that are really local church pastors with just the same name and, right. and really are local. And then mm-hmm. there's the, here's a video campus, you know, and yeah. they're just another extension of the big thing over there. Uh, yeah. How does that meet in the local aspect? And is that is that good or is it bad? Okay. You know, I think that I wouldn't want to make a blanket statement on that. No, go because... ahead. Just pan everybody in the same group. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, you know, I, I think uh, that uh, trying to transplant a model that's working uh, in Barrington Okay, or in some, you know, in, in, a, in a suburb like that. In fact, one of the pastors I'm meeting with right now has this has been a crucial question. Uh, and uh, because they were they were part of a, a church organization that uh, wanted to. Um, well, they wanted to create a campus church in the inner city of Chicago where he pastors. And uh, and he was not going to be the teaching pastor. He would be the pastor of the congregation, but the service would be piped in, you know, on screen from a suburban church. Mm. And it just, you know, it just was not resonating because what's going on out in, you know, a far west suburb, you know, it's a completely different setting. And uh, so, so they have finally uh, broken away from that and formed their own, uh, you know, their own church congregation that's very much tied into the community and to the needs of this of that local area where they are. I and, and to me, that's incarnational. You know, mm-hmm. it's what Jesus did. You know, he he incarnated himself, uh, and then. You know, if you read through the churches of the New Testament, wherever Paul went, you know, no story of the founding of a church, as you read through the book of Acts and the New Testament letters, none of those are the same. They mm-hmm. weren't cookie cutter. Right. You know, Ephesus, Colossae, Philippi, they were all, the Holy Spirit did something unique and different to plant his church in each of those communities. Mm-hmm. And uh, now the gospel's the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the needs in those ta- cities were vastly different. I mean, there were some commonalities, but there were a lot of unique situations. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that's where I come back to. I think sometimes we've gone so far off into uh, u- utilizing, uh, you know, the you know great leadership skills and technology. And, you know, we live in a technological society. Everything works by technology. We take that into the church and we try to make it work by technology, but we've sort of only, we've sort of given lip service now to, well, where's the Holy Spirit fit into this in helping us discern what is it that God wants to do through us in this church, uh, through this church in this particular setting mm-hmm. where we're at. Yeah, that's you know, so, so good. And I really appreciate that answer. 
I feel like it's a question we're not allowed to ask in our church circles. We're not allowed to bring this up because you're going to be criticizing so-and-so. And And it's like, well, we're not necessarily criticizing, but Mm -hmm. the campus was created by somebody asking a question. Mm-hmm. You know, what about somebody raising the question of saying, hey, what about the local guy? What yeah. about the guy who says, I'm called to that city uniquely mm-hmm. and versus everybody else? We've created this idea that, you know, we're not allowed to ask the questions of the model. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I think we are. Let's let's raise a question. One pastor that I really respected over the years that I was with for a lot of years said to me, and when we were talking about the campus model, and at, this was at a time yeah. where we were talking about maybe doing a campus, and I would have mm-hmm. been that campus pastor, and we didn't do it, but he did raise a question as we're, this was, you know, the, one of those back door, you know, doors closed, talking shop among pastors yeah. combo. Mm-hmm. And he said this, and it's always stuck with me, is there really not a man or woman of God that we can raise in our midst to send out that we just have to continue the franchise? Mm-hmm. Are there really not men and women of God to raise up and say, you go, not not you go with our brand, just you mm-hmm. go. Yeah. You know, you have our backing, but you don't need our brand. Yeah, yeah. And again... Does, does that mean that God doesn't use campuses? Of course he right. does. Of course. Yeah. God uses a lot of things. You know? That's true. He uses That's me, true. so he can use anything. Hey, and, and you know, I think in, you know, that if, you know, a campus churches, they certainly are, they will see people come to Christ. There's going to be people in any location that will, you know, will connect in those, in that kind of a model. But I think, I would, I would, I still think that, there's something about the incarnation into a local community mm. and the church uh, in that community sees it and you're, you're, you're uh, in communication with people in that community. Uh, and because, you know, we're, we're not just one, uh, you know, we're not just one monolithic, uh, there's not monolithic sameness in all communities across the country, you know, where, yes. you, you know, there's, there's uniquenesses. And uh, so uh, that would be, and, you know, and I would highly recommend this one book uh, that that's exactly what they're tackled, you know, is, is that whole area. But um, Which book is that again? It was, it was Leadership, God's Agency, and Disruptions. And the, the co-authored by a guy named Branson and Roxburgh. Mm, and, very good. Uh, it's a very thought-provoking book. Right. Uh, and so that would be, um, you know, and then Eugene Peterson, I mean, he, he, that was his philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. It was. And he is, he's a pastoral legend, right? Right. Whether you agree Mm -hmm. with all his theology and his viewpoint, or whether you think the message is this or that, that man was faithful. He was faithful to a region and to his church. And he decided I'm not I'm not going to do a hundred other things. I mean, even the message Bible was born out of a small group Bible study to his people to help them understand and unpack the word just a little better in their own lives. And Mm -hmm. that, and now the message translation has gone across the world and helps us understand God's word in a more unique thought provoking way. I was having this conversation with my son, Nathan. He, he came on this trip with me and I said, yeah, you know, you don't, what you don't see, you don't see, Ephesus 
uh, the Galatian campus, an Ephesus church, the Philippi campus, an Ephesus church, the right. Colossae campus, you know, like <laughs> Ephesus, you know, branch 27. You don't yeah. see that. Yeah. Um, you that's see true. something else. Yeah, that's true. And you it, know, Brian, uh, oh yeah. No, I, go I was, ahead. Uh, you know, one uh, a stat that I've heard recently, uh, I've heard it from several sources, uh, and that is, you know, the 59% of millennials have left the church. Um, you know, so age up to age 30, uh, that's almost 60%. And uh, I heard on Moody Radio had a huge discussion for an entire week on that very point, oh, maybe a month ago or so. But anyway, uh, and... You know, the question, one of the questions that came up was, well, what, what are millennials looking for in a church? Mm. And the number one, the number one thing that uh, they were looking for was authenticity, mm. um, relationship. Uh, how do I fit? How am I significant in this place? Am I even known in this place? Or do I just walk into this huge auditorium with a lot of, really great, well-done worship, which I'm all for. You know, mm. I mean, great worship team, all those things. I'm all for that. Uh, but if, unless, it, you know, sometimes if it's over-exaggerated and it becomes more of a concert or a performance, then I, I think we're going across the line. But right. but I, need, I believe in excellence. Uh, but I, I think a lot of our, our young young adults are are just not finding a, a sense of belonging uh, in inside of our our large large churches, or even sometimes inside of our inside of any size church, yeah. you know. And uh, so I think authenticity, and then that comes back to the relational thing once again, you mm. know, and being noticed for who I am, and uh, and f- sort of finding ways to help people, young young people, all people, find their way to be connected within the, the church body, you know, and, um, so I think, um, yeah. you know, sometimes that's a harder, it's a harder thing to do than it is to just put a program together, you right. know, and entertain everybody. because then we have to get down into the trenches with people and become relational ourselves, model it as a pastor. I think if we don't model it as a pastor, uh, we won't be able to lead our congregation that way. Right. And so. And um, here's what I think is cool. This is when God works, right? We even had on this show a couple tech issues. And this is the moment where somebody's going to say, I want to hear the truth of what this has to say, despite the information of it. Or I'm going to be like, this isn't excellent enough for me. So I'm checking out. Yeah. You know, that mentality, like this confronts that mentality (laughs) that says, yeah, uh, I remember Bible college teachers, some of them who were, their content, what they were saying was amazing. They were kind of boring, yeah. you know, but they didn't have this and that, but would right, you listen right. to what they said? I remember, well, I mean, one of them specifically, amazing man, a guy by the name of Carol Thompson, who mm. had just an awesome story and was phenomenal in deliverance ministry. But man, like watching paint dry, listening to him talk. <laughs> okay. But if yeah. you sat long enough, you saw the beauty of the yeah. wall drying. And you were, and, yeah. and yeah. I remember more of what he said than most because what he had to say was so phenomenal. It was yeah. so incredible. And we've gotten, we've broken so far away from that. It's we, We're so about performance and engagement. And 
you know me, yeah. Pastor Jim. Yeah. You know me pretty well. I want to engage with the word. Absolutely. I don't want to be boring. You know, sometimes right. I probably default the wrong way. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, and I, you know, it's fair to say it's a sin to make God's word boring. That's a fair argument. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, I'd rather be boring and faithful than successful and sinful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That's what we've yeah. created. You have been faithful over so many years in ministry. What are to you are some of the keys of faithfulness in ministry, the fighting of the temptation of success, right? The, the desire to chase, to chase, uh, was it not, yep. not Nineveh, but was it? Oh, uh, yeah. Tarshish. Tarshish. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, yeah, it's where, uh, uh, Eugene Peterson has a great talk on that. And he might mention it in his book. I don't remember. But, um, you know, he, he talks about Noah, or uh, Jonah, Jonah, and uh, how God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, which was the most difficult uh, ground for building a church you could ever think of. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to go there. Where he wanted to go, he set out in his ship. He wanted to go to Tarshish, which was you know, the happening place. It was an exotic place. That's where he wanted to go. And, uh, but, and I think he, he makes the point that a lot of times that's the siren call for pastors now, because we want to be, we want to be successful. And, uh, uh, but we may, but in that quest for success, if we define it wrongly, we, we might say, well, I don't want to go to a hard place. You know, I don't want to go to a tough place to plant a church, you know, but, but I would say in answer to your question that I, uh, you know, I think, Brian, and it comes back to uh, the just this grasp of, well, you know, something very huge for me has been the Imago Dei. You know, the image God created every human being in his image. Every human being is priceless, is so valuable and is, is to be noticed and cared for. From the youngest child to the oldest adult, regardless of what their status in life is, etc., we're called to create a church environment that and that communicates to people their value. And so they have to be more than a number. Mm. They have to be more than someone that can make us look successful. Come on, because we've got we're growing. We're putting. Oh, 100 bodies, 200 bodies, 300 bodies in our church, and then keep counting. But, okay, but what what about the persons in those bodies? You know what I mean? Uh, and that's where the Lord wants to go. He wants us to reach people. And I do believe that when we go deep in the proper way, and I believe that's relationally with truth and grace, we go deep in the proper way. I believe that there will be a width, you know, and a breadth to that ministry that will spread out. Now, it may not spread out into a megachurch or, you know, a big megachurch congregation. It might multiply into a bunch of other congregations, which I think is a very New Testament way to do things, uh, because then you're able to maintain that the personal, the community life of the church. But you keep building, you build large by multiplying uh, church plants and church congregations instead of allowing 
them to become these multi, you know, multi-faceted, multi, you know, church sites, you know, and things like that. So that's a preference of mine. I, I think it's a, I do think it's something we see in the New Testament. You know, I really do. So, wow. uh, but I think, I don't know, Brian, those are some of my thoughts on that. That's awesome, Pastor Jim. You, you're just a wealth of knowledge and wisdom, and, and I just appreciate it so much. We'll close with this last question. For you, when you look back at the years of ministry, the decades, um, what is your greatest, you know, what do you think, I really failed in this and I wish I would have known this, and what was your greatest, you know, okay. action, kingdom success? Okay, all right. Uh, I think in terms of... Um, uh, what I learned through suffering or pain, okay, um, I, well, the one thing that comes to my mind, I could cite many, <laughs> but I think pain's a great teacher uh, if we learn, uh, which is hard to do sometimes, but I think that, you know, I had been in, I had been pastoring for 40 years, and uh, I'd always built, you know, Sabbath, Sabbath rest into my life. Usually for me, it was a Monday and I had my, my rhythm on Monday was to just be alone and sort of, uh, get a breath. I, I love to read. So that would relax me. I would be off drinking coffee somewhere, Barnes and Noble, Starbucks, whatever, you know, just alone by myself. I'd journal a little bit and then I'd take walks and things like that, reinvigorate. Uh, and then I'd be charged back up for, you know, the week. Uh, but then I got to a point about 40 years into my ministry where I had allowed myself to get overextended. I wasn't watching my life rhythms. I was getting way out of balance. And I ended up in a situation where my Monday's Sabbaths were not adequate. And I ended up descending into that phrase, you know, that we use, burnout. Uh, and I discovered that that's a real deal. And uh, so uh, so I went to a doctor and the doctor said to me, uh, hey, Jim, uh, your mind, your brain is a muscle and it operates on certain chemical, you know, chemical, uh, chemical flow that sustain your mental ability. And once you deplete that and stress is a great depleter of those things when it's unchecked. Uh, your brain becomes depleted and uh, you're not going to be able to do anything until you will, you give time for that chemistry to be, you know, to be uh, regained. And so I had to take a two month, uh, almost a three month sabbatical uh, where I, I didn't even have my cell phone with me. Uh, and uh, in order for my, uh, I got some counseling during that time. Uh, and, uh, so that was sort of a wake up call and it didn't happen until I was 40 years in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so that would be one thing, Brian, that I've learned is to have, uh, to pace yourself, make sure that you don't feel guilty for having your Sabbath time. And if you feel like you're overextended, pulling back and letting that, letting the rhythms reestablish. I think that's a very important thing for pastors, especially in this day and age when, I mean, there's so the, the, the list of things to be done are endless. They're endless. And uh, that would be one thing I learned on the suffering side. 
And um, so what was, you know, what was the other part of that question, Brian? What would you consider, uh, you know, kingdom success of the, of oh. the, on the side of faithfulness? Okay. I uh, would consider um, uh, I, I, you know, one of the things that come to my mind, I guess, Brian, is that I, I, uh, my, my desire is that I would have been, uh, would have left that impact upon people that um, they were valued, they were noticed. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, this past Sunday, I'm doing an interim pastor role right now. And um, there was a, you know, a, a young person about probably 16 Sunday and, uh, and on the way out of church, uh, the parent, you know, of this, you know, person, um, one of the parents of the person said to me that, you know, this, this your, your message today, some of the things you said in that message today really impacted my child. Mm. Uh, and so to me, Brian, uh, I, those are the kinds of things that uh, are so rewarding in my heart because I feel like, uh, the, you know that a, a true a true impact for Christ has been left upon a human heart mm. and uh, so um, you know that's that's what comes to my mind I I, uh, I would like to be I would like to be thought of and in, in a terms of legacy as well, okay I I taught and I did okay teaching and I did okay leading and administrating, and those things are so vitally important. They really are. Uh, and giving attention to detail, all this stuff is so important. But I pray that my my heart would be in, in a, the midst of all that. That uh, if if people knew that I I saw them, or I was seeking to see them as Jesus sees them, that would be my. That would be what would be most important to me. Wow. I don't think we can end on a better note, Pastor Jim. I think that is phenomenal. That is so good. Thank you uh, so much for sharing with us and sharing your wisdom. Um, if people want to find you anywhere, they want to email you or talk with you more, hear from you, how could they sure. get a hold of you? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd be happy for that. Uh, my, uh, I can give my email. Mm -hmm. Would that be all? That Absolutely. Okay, here it goes. It's uh, J.G. Nichols, N-I-C-H-O-L-S, mm -hmm. 66, at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, so, Pastor Jim. Yeah. All right, everybody. All right. So remember, faithfulness is success. That's the real success. That's the kingdom success. Success. Uh, relationship yeah. uh, over over overgrowth and that's the true growth and it will multiply we'll just end with what we always end with when you've done all you know to do stand <laughs>